Apparently, we pay quite a bit of attention to where our food comes from in our culture. You would probably draw that conclusion just as you pay attention to uh, ads and marketing. And as you're in the grocery store and you notice uh, the emphasis that is placed on how things are sourced, where they come from, where they are grown from, whether something is organically grown or farm grown or, or homegrown. If you have a friend that, that has a vegetable garden or fruits and, and they, they share some with you and point out this is homegrown, this is right from my own backyard or my garden. Those things are, are important to us. I, it'll be interesting to see as we move forward with the approval of lab-grown meat and how well-received that will be as we move into the future. But just as our food is grown in one way or another, and some of us maybe pay more attention to that than others, the same could be said in, in a similar way for us as Christians. How are Christians grown as we continue this series? What is unique when we talk about this definition of what it means to be a Christian? Well, what is unique is that we are word-grown. That is to say that the Word of God is and always will be the only source of growth for a Christian. That is to say that, that we all who are gathered here this morning and Christians all over the world became Christians in the exact same way, through the Word of God. Now maybe that word came about in, in different ways. Maybe in some cases for many of us, it was that word and the promises in it that were combined with, with water in the powerful blessing of baptism that the Holy Spirit created that gift of faith. For others, as little children grow up and, and they are taught stories from Scripture, and those stories point them to Jesus through those stories, through those accounts in the same word of God, the Holy Spirit creates faith. For others, as adults, maybe even as skeptics or, or doubters, uh, a, perhaps a, an ongoing conversation one-on-one -on -one maybe with a Christian friend to address those doubts and skepticisms from Scripture or an adult Bible class, over time those things address the doubts and the skepticism and the Holy Spirit through that same word creates faith. That is always, that is only how it works. The Word of God produces faith. It might cause us a little bit of, of concern then when it doesn't. In those cases that probably all of us here are well aware, friends, family members, acquaintances, that it seems as if in Jesus' parable that description of the word just never took root or something happened and they fell away. And in those cases we might be inclined to say, what is wrong with the word? Why why isn't it working? There are probably some logical, perhaps some rational, some reasonable explanations in some of those cases. But eventually we're going to have to realize our own limitations, aren't we? And Isaiah, in the verses that we're focusing on this morning, he actually addressed those. He reminded us, which is important for us to keep in mind, verses, verses 8 and 9, speaking as God's representative. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So this is the Lord saying through Isaiah, There are some things that you are simply not going to know or to understand. God is God and we are not. 
Now, if we resent God for that or feel as if he owes us an explanation in those cases where it appears that the word isn't working like maybe we thought it should or we feel it ought to, we do well to remember this, don't we? If, if we feel that we resent God, is it because we think so highly of ourselves or so little of God that he ought to bring himself to our level? Quite frankly, that's not all that impressive of a God who shares the same mindset and approach as I do. I I want him to be beyond uh, where I am at with his thoughts and his ways. There are going to be limitations. But rather than focusing on those unknowns, let's instead focus on what God has made clear in this same word of God. In, In writing to the young pastor Timothy, Paul reminded him, assured him, the same confidence that we have, that God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. There are going to be things that we don't know about God and, and how he works or why or when it appears he's not working through that word. So instead, let's not waste our time trying to get in the mind of God. Let's instead focus on what we do know about God, that he wants everybody to be saved and that the way that he saves everybody is through his word. Then we can focus on that word of God. Then we can be dialed in to the the mission and the ministry that he has given to us in that word of God. And rest assured, the word is going to work. It's going to produce fruit. Perhaps an explanation, if we are, are humble enough to accept this possibility as well, for why we might deduce or conclude the word isn't working, maybe we're not actually sowing the seed. For example, consider a friend that you have whose life seems to be falling apart and unraveling. And you point out to that friend, well, friend, you need Jesus in your life. Well, that's true. But have you really sown the the seed of the word by telling them that? I, I would contend that you've started that process, but is that information enough to work in that person's heart to be acknowledged, to, to, to hear that they need Jesus in their life. Well, who do they know who Jesus is? Why do they need him in their life? Or you see the, the Jesus Saves bumper sticker. Has anybody ever been won into the kingdom of God through a bumper sticker that says Jesus Saves? No, that might tell them if they know enough about it that probably the person driving that car is a Christian. They might know Jesus and Christians go hand in hand. But Jesus Saves doesn't mean anything to them if they don't know what they need to be saved from or how Jesus did it or why. So sometimes the, the problem is that we're actually not sowing the seed like we maybe think we are. Instead, we're talking about it. And I don't point that out as a criticism, but rather to clarify, because friends, I think this is an area that all of us can make a significant impact in the kingdom. If we are more deliberate and intentional about sowing the seed of the word instead of just talking about it. Consider the gardener, for example, who is more than happy to tell people about how rich his soil is in his garden and how amazing his soil is. He can talk all day long about that great soil, but nothing is going to grow in that soil until the seed is sown. It has to be planted. Or he can talk about the superior quality of the seed that he has. 
that, that for others this seed has produced and, and yielded all kinds of abundant vegetables or fruits or whatever he's growing. That seed might be amazing, but talking about the seed isn't going to make anything grow in his garden. He has to plant the seed into the soil so that it can grow. When we do that, when we sow the seed, then we're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with, this message, this powerful message of the Word of God. And that happens all over the earth. It happens in sanctuaries on Sunday morning. It happens in classrooms like our, our elementary school. It happens in Bible classes. But think if, if those are the only fields where the seed is being sown. There's an awful lot of fields that are lying fallow, aren't there? And that's where you and I come in. That's where you and I can be much more deliberate about actually sowing the seed, not simply talking about it, but sowing it. You have the soil. You have friends that, that you know need exactly what Jesus has done for them. You have the seed itself. You have the good news of the gospel. You know the law that convicts us of our sin. You know the good news of Jesus and what he did for sinners. You are every bit as qualified to sow that seed and the more seeds of the gospel that are sown, the more opportunities the Holy Spirit has to produce faith through it. Each and every one of us, and all believers, were and always are only planted by that seed of the Word of God. But we also can have confidence in that same Word of God, which not only produces faith, but also produces fruits in our lives. This last month, I've, I've kind of been all over as our, our family went on vacation, and then this last week we were up at Good Shepherd Bible Camp, and being in different parts of the country, you see how the, the, the climate and how things are growing or not growing so well. Back in Michigan, lawns were rather dried out, and they were talking about how long they'd gone without uh, rain. And then driving through Iowa, they were in a drought and then making way into Colorado, actually, many of the lakes were uh, very enjoying a high level of, of water. And then this last week, we weren't able to get to the top of Mount San Gorgonio because the snow from all of the rains had accumulated and was still there. So why is it that you have different parts where there's a, a lack of water and others where there's too much of it, there's an abundance of it? And it reminds us of one key thing that, that is beyond our control, so elemental with all of our advancements, with all of our technology and all of our, our ability. And there's been so much that we have been able to do as human beings. We can't control the one thing that makes stuff grow. Rain. The earth needs rain to grow. Christians need the Word of God to grow. Without it, as I mentioned in the, the children's message, we will not continue to grow. And we can be confident that that word of God is going to work. Listen to Isaiah. Again, he promised in verses 10 and 11, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it blood, bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Isaiah is telling us the word works. But not just to bring you to faith, but 
but to thrive and flourish in your faith as well. And sometimes we seem to forget that as Christians. We sometimes think that the Word, its, its main purpose is to bring us to faith. And then once we know that, we know that. We know the message of the cross. We know the message of salvation. We know our sins are forgiven. I don't need this so much. But is that all the Word is? Is it merely something that is passing along information to us? If it is, then why do we still sin? Because you have the information that says how you are to live and how you aren't supposed to live, right? Why do we still get drunk? Why do we still lie and steal? Why do we still hang on to bitterness and resentment and justify our rage and our anger? Why do we use sex casually outside of God's intended purpose in the confines of marriage? Why do we do all those things? Don't we have the information from God's word that tells us those are right and wrong? Why do we keep doing them? I'll tell you what, if, if this word of God, if this was merely the intent behind it was God to pass along information for us so that we had the information to pursue holiness, I think we'd have to conclude this isn't very effective, is it? But God's word is much more than just a matter of information. God doesn't just work in his word to pass along some details and some facts to us. This isn't just informational. This is, in fact, transformational. God, the Holy Spirit, changes hearts through his word. And that is why we continue to go back to it again and again. So that as we remember our status before God as his baptized children, as we receive his body and blood in the sacrament for the forgiveness of sins, as we are comforted and assured through the absolution that all of our sins have been paid for in full each and every time to the degree that we are filled with those things, they wash over us like an ocean that completely engulfs our sin. And that changes us. Do you have that, that confidence in the Word of God in your own personal life? Do you really think that the Word works? Or do you, do you just accept that this is who you are? The sins that you struggle with, the temptation, the enticement, that that's just always going to be a struggle. That's who you are. It's a character flaw, however you might want to justify it. Or do you think that as we avail ourselves of the same Word that produces faith, that we actually can overcome some of those struggles, that we can actually win some of those battles, that we can actually change to the degree that the things that used to entice me and excite me that are contrary to God's Word do not have the appeal that they used to, and that the Holy Spirit can strengthen us to choose a better way, to long to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, your Savior, who has said, I've already left your sins in the past. Move forward with me in grace and forgiveness to pursue holiness. Do you believe? Do you have that kind of confidence in the Word for yourself? Do you have that kind of confidence in the Word of God for, for others? How freely, how comfortably do we confess and speak this word of God to others? Don't we often find ourselves kind of reluctant to share it or speak it because we just don't know that it's going to work in somebody's life? What if our expectation was switched around? What if we expected the word of God to work every time that we used it or shared it with somebody else? 
Instead of that being the exception to the rule, what if that were the case instead of being surprised when the word actually does work? What if we have the kind of confidence that Isaiah promises that his word is going to work, that the Lord's word is going to work, and that we look for every opportunity to point others to Jesus and to the message that we find in this word of God with the expectation that it's going to work. And I can tell you from experience pastorally, I wish I would have learned that a long time ago, even though you go through the system and you're trained. It took me far too long to start out every counseling situation, whether it's marriage or any other situation, to begin with this question, what is your relationship with God through his word look like? Because if you're not in the word, I'm not going to say anything that is going to be transformational. I'm not going to say anything that's going to shake or rattle your word. The word works. So don't come to me unless you're in the word first. Because that's how God does his work. That's how he changes and transforms us. That's why Isaiah encourages us in these first two verses. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's not just for the wicked, that's for you and me. Can we ever tire of turning to the Lord to receive free pardon and mercy? Of course not. How can we ever tire of being refreshed by that comforting assurance? With the Lord is mercy and pardon. Christian, do you want to flourish? Do you believe that you can through the word of God, that he can actually accomplish that in your life? Then where can this word of God be a bigger part of your life? Now, maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, but considering this picture, this imagery that Isaiah uses of the word being like water or snow that, that always works, it always yields, it always produces. Are there areas of, of your life where the word has not yet done its work? Isn't that usually the understanding or the expectation when it comes to rain or snow? When you look out in, in the morning, if it rained overnight, you don't look outside and see like polka dots of precipitation where there's a little a wet spot in the front lawn, four feet over here, it's dry, wet again, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, wet. It's all wet if it rains. The whole area, everything gets wet, doesn't it, when it rains? Or you look in Southern California, especially at somebody's front lawn, and you can tell where there's a sprinkler head or the irrigation is not working properly because there are parts that are vibrant and green and flourishing and then there are parts that are bone dry and dead because the irrigation is not covering everything evenly. What if, what if we applied the word of God so completely in our lives that it covered every area of life? Do you think that the Holy Spirit can carry out Isaiah's promise that the word would work? that it would flourish, the same word that brought you to faith can yield the kind of crop that Jesus talked about in the gospel this morning, more than, than you could exponentially ever even imagine him working through and, and in you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are word-grown. That same word of God that, that planted the seed of faith longs to produce fruit and yield an abundant harvest, one that is not only going to be a blessing to you, but a blessing to those around us in this world as well. Let's not just talk 
about how the Word of God is a defining characteristic for us as Christians. Let us make it the most important thing in our lives with the confidence that Jesus will bless it. Amen.